Okay, hello everyone and welcome to ACTUS Radio, the nation's only radio program dedicated to the clinical documentation improvement profession. ACTUS Radio is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and to ACTUS. Today, Wednesday, March 8th, marks our sixth and third show. So my name is Brian Murphy, Director of ACTUS, the Association of Clinical Documentation Improvement Specialists, and I'm your usual host for today's program, CDI Taking the Leap to Leadership. Uh, today I'm joined by two guests who exemplify leadership in every sense of the word. I also would be amiss if I didn't mention, um, if I didn't say happy International Women's Day. Uh, and, and I'm pleased to say I have two very strong women on the call today who I'm going to introduce to you next. So I'm joined today uh, by Robin Jones uh, left there. Robin's an RN, BSN, CCDS, and MHA, ED. Um, Robin is an Assistant Vice President for Revenue Integrity and Clinical Documentation Excellence for Mercy Health in Mason, Ohio. She's a registered nurse. You can see her, her um, background there. She began her CDI career in 2004 and has been promoted several times since then. 2011, promoted to manager over eight acute care facilities. Uh, 2014, her role expanded as a system director of clinical documentation excellence with oversight of 17 acute care facilities. And just this year, earlier this year, she became the AVP for Revenue Integrity and CDE for Mercy Health. Uh, she'll be sharing a little of her story along with our guest today. So welcome to the program, Robin. Thank you. It's great to be here, Brian. All right. And next, I'd like to introduce our uh, industry guest on today's program. We have with us today Adelaide LaRosa, um, maybe a familiar face. She, like Robin, has been on Actus Radio before. Adelaide is an RN, BSN, CCDS, and is also an assistant vice president, um, but for HIM and CDI for six acute care facilities as part of Catholic Health Services of Long Island. Uh, Adelaide has 33 years of varied clinical health care and leadership experience extensive knowledge of healthcare revenue cycle, including charge master, charge regulations, MS and APR, DRG, uh, denials, validations, a whole heck of a lot. Um, she's also a recipient of our 2010 Actus Recognition of CDI Professional Achievement Award, and I'm very pleased to have her back on the show, so welcome to the program, Adelaide. Thank you, Brian. I'm so excited to be here today. All right. Going to be a great topic. So we're going to start with, as we always do, a poll question related to today's topic. We ask you to review that, um, click the option that most pertains to you, and we will come back to the results in a few minutes. So question is, uh, what is the biggest obstacle you face in getting promoted to a leadership position? Is it perhaps there's no immediate opportunity? Um, maybe you lack some necessary training and management or leadership, and we hope to maybe provide a little bit of that today. Uh, is it a lack of confidence to do that move? Maybe you're not actively looking for a promotion, or I understand it's not going to be applicable to everyone today in the audience. So again, what's the biggest obstacle that you face in getting promoted to a leadership position? Is it no immediate opportunity, no training? lack of confidence, maybe you're not actively looking for a motion at this time, or not applicable. 
So we've got about 70% of our audience that has voted. And we'll go ahead and we will close that out. And we will, of course, come back to the results in just a few minutes. OK. All right. So as I mentioned today, we have uh, two guests on, Robin and Adelaide, to share a little bit of the stories about leadership. Um, maybe we'll start with Adelaide. Could you maybe talk a little bit for our audience about your role at Catholic Health Services? You know, from the bio I just read, it certainly seems like you wear a lot of hats, somehow manage to do it all. I don't know how, but uh, you could just start by explaining your role a little bit there. Thanks, Brian. Um, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes I go to bed and I said, how did I get all that done today? Um, and still not know where my car keys are or what I ate the night before. So um, I guess I'm very passionate about what I do. I am responsible overseeing and coordinating all the HIM and CDI services across the health system. And that's like a lot of words to say, OK, what does that mean? It's, again, developing best practice. Um, as it relates to HIM, we're speaking about the coding, the release of information, transcription. The EHR is, is a huge um, piece of oversight in regards to education of making sure that we have our coding, CDI, physicians, um, PAs, and MPs aware best practice as it relates to um, documentation, capturing that severity of illness. I'm also responsible for, um, we are bringing in the um, revenue side of our clinicals. We have Epic for Clinical, and we're bringing in Resolute, so I will be co-chairing and very active in the revenue integrity management. What does that mean, charge capture? How the clinical information drives charges? What are we missing of charges, and what else should we be capturing? I also have DRG appeals underneath me, which for the system gives me a picture of what the payers are denying and what is our challenges out there and what we need to further educate. And I'm also responsible for the Enterprise uh, Master Patient Index. That's the most important thing for patient safety, identifying that we have the right patient that we're caring for and, and document, documenting on that case. So there's always other initiatives coming along that I'm actually involved, but this is pretty much a high level of what I'm involved with currently. All right, that's a heck of a lot, and uh, thanks for the the summary there. I'm going to ask Robin the same question. You know, Robin, I you know we we've spoken before, and I I have been very impressed with how you've been able to climb the ladder at Mercy Health. I kind of recapped it a little for our audience, but can you talk about your present role, uh, this AVP position, and and what you do? I know it's very new, but uh, a little bit for our audience today. Yeah. So on January 1st, I was named the Assistant Vice President of Revenue Integrity and um, still oversee the Clinical Documentation Excellence Program, or what we call CDE here in Mercy. In the RI space, or the Revenue Integrity space, I oversee approximately 40 associates. Um, and we work on Charge Capture and Charge Master in all of our 23 um, facilities throughout Mercy. Um, in the CDE space, I have oversight of the 17 of those facilities. We don't have um, CD in all of our facilities. And that side of the world totals about 97 associates. So um, RI is completely new to me. Um, and so I'm feeling kind of like a novice nurse again. Um, and it's fun. And it's definitely a challenge. Um, I, like Adelaide said, um, two days are never the same. Um, 
while learning something new, um, I'm really thrilled that I get to stay over CDE. So my day is, is a lot of balls in the air, a lot of hats on my head, um, but somehow at the end of the day we go home and it all worked out. And I don't know how it works out sometimes, but it does. Yeah, I don't even know how you oversee 40 associates and uh, how that works. I'm interested to know how you're able to, you know, keep the pulse on your various employees and, and, and have that level of, of management. Maybe we'll get to that in just a moment. Um, you know, one of the things, the title of the show is Taking the Leap to Leadership, and um, I, I would like to mention that the Actus Advisory Board, of which Robin is a member, is currently working on a, a position paper about um, leadership in CDI. Um, you know, and it and it is a, it's a different concept than just straight department management, which is also very important. But it's a little bit different to lead than it is to manage. And I thought maybe Adelaide, you could talk a little bit about that uh, to be a leader. I sort of see you in this role. You you have to be in your position overseeing so much. You know, what 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 does that term mean to you, Adelaide? Leadership, and both in the broader sense and then within, you know, a healthcare setting in in your role specifically. It's a huge responsibility once you're saying yourself is now becoming, you're saying you're a leader. To me, regardless of what you're doing in any of your positions, you need to be passionate. You need to love what you're doing because that will then flow to your team. Um, so I'm always passionate for the cause um, in, in whatever I have to get done. Um, I-10 is, is a clearly an example where how are you going to deal with change? So as a leader, you're always dealing with change. And change means that you're not doing things, but you're creating the change as you go along as the culture of your your facility is is um, driving. Um, in regards to keeping on top of things, I think you have to surround yourself with people that are knowledgeable, and you have to train them, and you don't have you have to feel that sharing your knowledge is is empowering them, but not be fearful of somebody coming into your position. And and I think that's very important. We need to motivate our team. We need to make sure that we're listening. The most important thing is do we listen to what is being said. And with healthcare, there's so much changes. You know, with um, HIM and CDI, we're governed every day looking at what's discharged, not final bill, getting those, those reviews done in the timeliness. Do we do we know what our people are saying? How can we improve our process? Do we communicate what's coming? Anyone who knows me, I live with a one-year plan, a five-year plan, and a ten-year plan. And as I get closer to retirement, um, I think I'm up to now a 15 plan, and hopefully my is very different after that. Um, are you confident in what you're, you're doing and where's your commitment? And I also feel it's important for you to always have a sense of humor. Um, and that's one thing that gets me through the, the day. And I truly enjoy what I do and I truly enjoy the people that are around me. Um, they're, they're family to me. I spend more time with them than I do with my own family. It is amazing, you know, how much time you spend in the workplace, and, and so you have to build those relationships. I really like your comment, Adelaide, about surrounding yourself with knowledgeable people because, you know, this is a job you can't do alone. Oh. <laughs> um, absolutely not. Now, Robin, to turn back to you, you know, to move up from 
where you started in 04, you know, as a CDI reviewer, you know, doing chart review and then to management, you must have had to overcome some uh, personal challenges, learn to, you know, step outside the box, maybe your comfort zone. Could you talk a little bit about what you had to overcome to, to get to these positions to help, you know, maybe um, an audience member with something they might be thinking of doing? Sure. So I think my biggest personal challenge was expanding my vision. So I think it's easy over time to remain in what I call monovision. So you review charts, um, you ensure your DRGs are captured at the highest level, you're capturing your CCs and MCCs, but there's really a whole other world out there for CDEs to assist the organization with. Well, um, when I was a CDS, I began working with the dietitians at the site to ensure consults were complete and accurate for documentation purposes. And I really invested a lot of time in listening to administration talk about the future of healthcare um, and pay for performance, which is where we are today. So doing that back in 2004 has advanced me to today. Not only that, but conducting education sessions and really listening to the physicians when I was trying to explain what, what's in it for them. So I was listening to their, their side of the world. All of this combined led me to see that document, documentation is truly everything. Um, with that said, as I transitioned into being a manager, I expanded my vision and saw opportunities everywhere. Um, a recent example of something that we're doing here in CDE is we're writing, we're involved in the appeal writing to defend our DRG denials. And um, this has truly been eye-opening for everyone, including me on the team. Um, this back-end process has actually helped us formulate questions, queries, clarifications, whatever you call it at your institution, and ensure the clinical picture is complete and accurate on the front end by learning from what's being denied on the back end. Um, so it really is an exciting time for CDE, um, and it's really important to have a bigger picture vision and immerse yourself into what else can CDI do for the organization. Um, I think with that, you'll have a great opportunity to move up the ladder and be a huge contributor for your organization. Excellent. Like, likewise, uh, Adelaide, anything to share with our audience in terms of uh, personal challenge you had to overcome to move on up? You, you, you exude a lot of confidence. I don't know if you've always been that way, but maybe you can talk a little bit about how, how you managed to, to get to this point. Well, you do have to learn from criticism. So I think everyone, um, whether you're confident or not, um, have to learn it's not personal. So sometimes things you hear along the way is to improve you as a leader and not to take it at personal. And the truth is not everyone is always going to like you. They may r respect you, but again, um, you're going to have challenges out there. And so what did I have to do? First of all, I had to know my strengths and my own weakness because I had to make sure that I was leading myself to my greatest ability. And I like what um, Robin said about the whole DRG. Um, I started where way back when we were doing DRG validation, and then now it became clinical documentation improvement. And then where else should we be? We're out there doing such a great job getting this documentation, showing the world how great our facilities are and our physicians' care is by capturing that severity. But do we know what's going on with the activity on the payer side? Because that tells the story how 
we need to further, um, you know, get the information in the chart. It used to be a coding validation. Now it's a clinical validation. So I started a monthly newsletter, which is a mass mailing to all our physicians, one page. It's called The Coding Talk, The Code or Not, and it just focuses on the physicians knowing exactly what do you need to state, for example, about diabetes. Um, the patient just doesn't have diabetes. Are there complications? Because I'm sure when they're visiting, you're addressing these complications. So it's important to capture it in your office and in the hospital. So in regards to confidence, confidence comes over you knowing um, your, your subject matter, um, but yet not coming across, um, you know, you don't want to ever come across arrogant. But again, you, you have to understand you're not an island and you have to build a team. And I hope one day when I'm no longer um, maybe in this position, I leave behind a strong process. Um, and I want to see that it continues to succeed and not say, oh, see what it's like without me. No, I want everything to continue to to succeed. And in that basis, I was able to move from my positions and continue to move up because I had a good process left behind. That's great stuff. Really appreciate you sharing that. Maybe we could wrap up here with a little uh, snippet from each of you in terms of, you know, there are some listeners on this program, we'll get to the poll results in a minute, but that are looking to move into management and into leadership. Uh, exerting themselves perhaps more as a leader, even if that doesn't mean, you know, necessarily a promotion. But what, you know, maybe, maybe what starting advice can you offer? What What is one, one takeaway that maybe you could offer a listener who is perhaps looking to move up the ladder? Um, maybe I'll start with you, Robin, on that one. Yeah, I think, I think Adelaide said it very well. Um, my advice has always been to have confidence in your ability. You are the subject matter expert. So when you're in the room, there's a difference between being arrogant and confident. And I think Adelaide's right. You have to be that subject matter expert, that representative for what you know. Um, so you need to trust what your, what your knowledge base is um, and be ready to expand it. So be listening all the time on cues of what you can be doing differently. And again, it's not personal, just like Adelaide said. Um, I think my biggest thing that I would say is be persistent. Um, the confidence and belief in what you know, that'll pay off in the end, but persistence will serve you well going into the future with CDI. Great message, Robert, thanks. Um, how about you, Adelaide, anything to wrap up with there? I would say Robin also well said, and I think if you're a person that can't handle change, pressure, has problem communicating, then it's going to be difficult to, to move up. So these are things that you have to identify now. Can you handle, you know, change? Because every day is about uh, today's different priority than the day before. And are you ready to handle difficult people? They're going to be there. Um, you know, the, the thing is you handle them with honey rather than, you know, um, challenging them back the same way. So I, I think, you know, again, you stay focused and you have to always know your end game and know your audience. That's very key. Any meeting you walk into, know your audience. Yep, absolutely. Great stuff. Well said. Really, really appreciate that, guys. It's again, it's an honor to be here with you today. I'm not, I'm not just saying Thank that. It's you, you guys have really uh, demonstrated excellence and, and certainly um, 
have, have more than earned what you've you've been promoted into. So congratulations again. We're going to go ahead and share um, our audience poll, and we'll ask you. I'll ask you to comment on that again. You should be able to see that now. We asked our audience, "What's the biggest obstacle you face in getting promoted to leadership?" About a third uh, don't have an immediate opportunity to do so. Uh, Twelve percent of our audience uh, say no training in management or leadership. Seven percent are lacking the confidence, perhaps, to do that. Uh, about another third, 35% aren't actively looking at this time, and then 13% are not applicable. Um, some some folks maybe aren't in a position to do that or don't work in a uh, place where there's a leadership position above them, et cetera. Um, so maybe I'll just start by asking, you know, um, perhaps Adelaide, would you, you want to weigh in on the results? You know, one of the interesting questions I got sort of ties into the poll is you you you. You know, you probably, you obviously need someone to promote you. You know, someone had to give you the opportunity or, or agree to make the change um, to move you up the ladder. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and um, who yeah, gave you the support in your facility? Yeah. Well, that's just it. I, you know, I was surprised to see 33% saying no opportunities. So it's my job as a leader to create opportunities and to see who is looking to move on. Who's happy, you know, doing doing their role? And again, you, you know, you need people that this is what they want to do. They want to do their reviews. You look for the people that want to do more projects that are eager to learn. And you have to find a place or else you're going to lose them. So I, I take responsibility. If I got this result back on myself, I would say that I'm not doing a great job to see what's next for my team, to, for them to move and use their, their skill set. All right. How about you, Robin? Any, any comments on the poll? You know, I um, I totally agree with what Adelaide said. I am constantly looking on my team. They can probably they probably shudder, but I do look for the people on my team who who are our future leaders because you know someday the Adelaides and the Robin Joneses of the world are are going to be moving on to to either new positions or to retirement, and so I'm always I'm constantly looking on our team for those people that can that can do things into the future. And I know we've talked before about our um, CD incentive plan, but one of the things on our incentive plan is a project. And so we really concentrate on those projects because that is the future of, of CDI for Mercy Health. So um, as a good leader, yeah, you definitely need to be constantly looking for the future. Right. Well, thanks, guys. We're going to move on to our next uh, part of the show, of course, in the news. In the news is a regular segment featuring the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession. Today I'd like to discuss a recent article from the New York Times, of all places, um, entitled, Scheme Tied to United Health Overbilled Medicare for Years, Suit Says. Now you should be seeing that on your screen at this time. You can find the article here. URL is up top, as I always do. I will put the link in the show notes afterwards. Um, but to, to recap, I thought this was a fascinating article. We don't always see the, the Times covering uh, stories that are directly related to CDI. And this, this is pretty close. Um, essentially, you know, you might know United Health is one of the nation's largest insurers. 
So in a lawsuit filed by the Justice Department, which was begun when a former United Health executive filed a complaint under the False Claims Act in a whistleblower lawsuit, um, the suit alleges that United Health improperly overcharged Medicare by hundreds of millions and likely billions of dollars, according to a lawsuit um, that was made public recently at the Justice Department's request. Um, so this is really one of the more interesting cases I've seen. Uh, the United, this United Health employee, he's a, a former finance director for United Health, um, alleges in this case that he and other employees were given risk adjustment targets and their performance was based on how well they achieved them. Um, you know, so they, they were allegedly spurred on to aggressive coding practices. Uh, they then allegedly would request a higher payment for Medicare without going through the required in-person evaluation by a physician or other qualified professional that is required under risk adjustment billing. So this is a little different than traditional CDI perhaps, but it, it certainly ties in and this is, a, this is of course the insurer who's being charged, not, the, not a hospital or um, a CDI professional, but United Health itself. But that but certainly ties into what CDIs are doing. We're seeing a lot more expansion into HCCs uh, and the risk adjustment um, uh, and other risk adjustment payment methodologies. So, um, you know, this is quite the the suit. Of course, United Health is vigorously defending itself here. You can actually whoop, went a little further far there, but. Uh, there's a link right here to the actual entire case itself, which is really interesting. If you've got a few minutes to read this, you can go ahead and read the actual document from the United States District Court for the Western District of New York. explains the whole case. Definitely uh, interesting and worth taking a look at. Um, so I encourage you to do so. Or maybe I'll just ask uh, Robin and Adelaide quickly what your thoughts are on this story. We talked a little before the show, Adelaide. I know you have some. You've, you've expanded into HCCs, um, have a Medicare co Advantage contract, I believe, in place. Do you have any any thoughts on this story and and sort of uh, what it means for you, for you or your department when you look at something like this? Well, that's something we are starting to discuss. Um, I'm discussing with leadership, you know, to how to make sure the physician documentation allows us to capture these ACCs. So, you know, I read this and I said I, I'm not surprised, um, but it just, it upsets me because, again, you know, this impacts the, the funds that are out there overall for Medicare, and, and I just can't understand, um, you know, how whoever's doing this abstract, we have a code of ethic. You know, if it isn't written, it wasn't done. So, you know, that's one thing when I put my head on the pillow every night, Am I confident, am I sure that we are communicating that very clearly when we're reporting our codes? And I think CMS has an obligation to continue to monitor these um, plans closely. If you're allowing them to engage in such a, um, a way of um, paying for patient care, a Medicare patient, there has to be better safety checks that it doesn't take someone internally to exploit it, but some, someone on the outside should have found that sooner meaning from CMS. Yeah, you can see how the incentives were aligned. You know, it's, it's to increase those risk scores up to 3%. He was judged on that. And again, this is all alleged, but um, and how there's no performance goals for accuracy, accountability, et cetera. Yeah. It is unfortunate. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it does shape up in the course. I don't know if you had any 
comments uh, on this, Robin, at all? No, I think Adelaide said it said it well. So. Okay. All right. We'll go ahead and and just um, wrap up a little bit here with um, Actus update. Again, Actus updates a regular feature, bringing you the latest updates and what's going on inside of Actus. Today, I'd like to let you know about a new boot camp that we're going to be deb debuting in April. Uh, mastering Clinical Concepts in CDI. Um, for our regular listeners, you may recall that we previewed this boot camp back on our January 25th program. I was on at the time with Alan Frady. We were talking about malnutrition. I did get some questions about this class after the show, uh, and I'm pleased to say that it is now open for registration. Um, if you haven't checked it out, you can find it on hcmarketplace.com. Um, it's called, again, Mastering Clinical Concepts in CDI. The one thing I did want to point out here is that, as, as you can see from the outline, this, this is a clinical class. It, it delves right into the various MDCs, uh, some of the diagnoses that you are working with every day in CDI, perhaps some that are a little bit um, you know, out, outside of the usual realm that you might be encountering or asked to clarify. Uh, what you will not see in this class is a um, introductory modules on what CDI is or how to query a physician. We want to stress that this is sort of a next level class. It is not um, where we're, we're assuming that the student coming in has that type of background, has been working in CDI, is looking to uh, maybe strengthen their clinical foundation. You know, even even really proficient nurses in this profession maybe haven't been involved in all these clinical aspects. So this what this course really does cover. I encourage you to check out the uh, agenda. If you if you're on this page, you can find that here under this tab. You know we also have uh, course locations and overviews and the CEs we offer, etc. But um, go ahead and check that out. Our first class is again April 24th, just outside of uh, Nashville in a great location, and that that will be co-taught this first class by two of our instructors, which is a little different. You know, Alan Frady, principal developer, will be there along with our CDI education director, uh, Laurie Prescott. If you have any questions about this class, you want to get reach out to me, I'd be happy to put you in touch uh, with our instructors on that show. All right, so let's, um, let's just wrap up here. I'm going to pull up our final screen here and um, just briefly mention our next show. We hope you can join us again in two weeks as we begin a, a special lead-up to the Actus Conference. We're going to be featuring a series of guests who will be, be presenting at our 10th annual conference. They're going to be um, touching on some of the presentation that they'll be delivering. These, these are sort of sneak previews, if we will, although we're going to be delivering some good information on Actus Radio as well. Our next show coming up is, uh, this is the title of the of the session they'll be presenting at Actus, Anatomy of a Surgical Note, CSI Analysis of Operative Notes Gone Bad. <laughs> Should be a fun one. But um, as always, if you have any suggestions for future guests, um, or if you have any ideas about the format of the show, I ask you to please send me an email at bmurphy at actus.org, and I will try to get it on uh, a future edition of Actus Radio. That will again do it. I really uh, want to say thanks again to Adelaide and Robin for being on the show today, sharing so much of their knowledge, expertise, um, and uh, their inspiring stories with us today. So thanks again, guys. Thank you, Thank you for the Everybody opportunity. Else? All right.
we'll, we'll see you all back here again in two weeks. So take care, everyone. Thank you.